0: The U.S. is actually spending a lot of money on infrastructure, just not the way you think.
1: The average household will lose $3,300 a year over the next 20 years due to underperforming infrastructure.
0: That's Christina Swallow with the American Society of Civil Engineers. That money we all lose each year comes from things like potholes that damage our vehicles, water main breaks, lost productivity sitting in traffic or waiting for the subway, even food that costs more, because our outdated freight system makes it more expensive to transport.
1: Our chronic underinvestment in infrastructure is having real-world impacts for American families and businesses.
0: Swallow chairs a committee that every four years puts together an infrastructure report card for the nation. The latest unveiled at an event this month.
1: Is a C minus.
0: That's actually up from a D plus four years ago.
1: Unfortunately, though, this means, on average, our infrastructure is still in mediocre condition and requires attention.
0: 8% of bridges in America are structurally deficient. 40% of U.S. roads are crumbling in fair or poor condition. Airport terminals are badly outdated. Too many people lack access to broadband internet. HVAC systems in schools need to be replaced or repaired.
2: The disinvestment in infrastructure that's been going on, frankly, for a lifetime, is catching up to us.
0: That's Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg.
2: It doesn't have to be this way, but it also won't change unless we make different choices. And that means a meaningful, generational investment in our country's infrastructure.
0: Consider this. President Biden is about to propose just that, a generational investment in infrastructure. But will that proposal become a reality? From NPR, I'm Audie Cornish. It's Tuesday, March 23rd. This message comes from NPR sponsor 3M, supporting communities in the fight against COVID-19. Since the outbreak, 3M has responded with cash and product donations, including surgical masks, hand sanitizer, and respirators through local and global aid partners. In addition, 3M plants are running around the clock, producing more than 95 million respirators per month in the U.S., Learn how 3M is helping the world respond to COVID-19. Go to 3M.com/slash COVID. 3M Science Applied to Life. What does it take to really make amends? And how should we navigate our digital spaces? I'm Anoush Samarodi. Each week on NPR's TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey with TED speakers who help us answer some of life's biggest questions. Join us. Listen now. It's Consider This from NPR, and it's not a surprise that President Biden wants to go big on infrastructure. His campaign slogan, Build Back Better, was not just about the pandemic.
2: We'll build back better with modern roads, bridges, highways, broadband, ports and airports as a new foundation for economic growth, with pipes that transport clean water to every community. With 5 million new manufacturing and technology jobs, so the future is made in America.
0: That was Biden last summer when he accepted the Democratic nomination. Now this week, two months into his presidency, reports emerge that the White House is putting together an infrastructure plan worth more than $3 trillion. Hours after those reports on Monday, Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said this on Capitol Hill.
2: We're hearing the next few months might bring a so-called infrastructure proposal that may actually be a Trojan horse for massive tax hikes and other job-killing left-wing policies.
0: Republicans seem prepared to make an argument that the green energy elements of Biden's plan are not good for the economy. And they're certain to oppose parts of the plan that would invest in what progressives call human infrastructure. That means, according to The New York Times, heavy spending on education, on programs meant to increase the participation of women in the labor force by helping them balance work and caregiving.
2: The Build Back Better bill is the legacy bill. It's the bill that will define the meaning of the Biden presidency, no. because it is, it's the bill that could potentially reshape the trajectory of the country.
0: Bill Galston, a former domestic policy advisor in the Clinton White House, says Biden's plan could remake huge parts of the economy, investing in 5G, a green electric grid, semiconductors and carbon-free transportation. If passed, it could transform the country.
2: A country that has not invested in itself for a very long time. A country that is on the verge of losing its technological and economic superiority to the rising power at the other side of the Pacific.
0: And while the need to out-compete China is one thing both parties can agree on, it may not be enough to win bipartisan support for Biden's infrastructure plan. Here's NPR national political correspondent Mara Lyason on the road ahead.
3: The latest thinking among Democrats is that there are pieces of an infrastructure agenda that could be broken off and passed as smaller individual bills with Republican votes. Things like universal broadband, anything that confronts China. But Republicans are skeptical after the COVID relief bill. Here's Ohio Senator Rob Portman on Fox.
1: The notion is we could get together there because Republicans and Democrats both believe our infrastructure needs help. It's crumbling. It'll help the economy if done right. My concern is, once again, they're going to ignore the Republicans, as they did this time around.
3: Democrats hear that and think Republicans will do what they did to President Obama, refuse to compromise, then attack the president for failing to get them to compromise. And it's possible that the relationship between the two parties on Capitol Hill is just too broken for bipartisanship, especially after January 6th, when a majority of Republicans voted to overturn the 2020 election. In the White House, bipartisanship is seen as something to strive for. It's part of Biden's political DNA. But in the end, as long as voters see that Biden tried hard to work across the aisle, it's not a political necessity. Elaine Mark is a former Clinton White House aide and the author of Why Presidents Fail. She says the only thing bipartisanship buys you is that both parties end up owning the policy they just passed, for better or for worse.
0: If it's bipartisan, you weather those hiccups better
3: than you do if you've only passed it mm-hmm. with one party. In the end, it doesn't really matter that much, yeah. Yeah. as long as it gets implemented. In other words, to voters, the process isn't as important as the product. But Bill Galston thinks this may be misreading the politics. He thinks getting Republican votes is a political necessity for Biden because, Galston says, the president made another important campaign promise.
2: That he would work harder than his predecessors did to restore the ability of the two parties not only to talk to each other civilly, but also
3: to work together. Galston says that campaign promise really mattered to swing voters in the suburbs, the voters that made the difference between victory and defeat for Biden. And those voters took Biden's promise of bipartisanship seriously and literally. On ABC last week, Biden was asked by George Stephanopoulos about his prediction that Republicans would see the light after the election and be willing to compromise.
1: They haven't had that epiphany you said you were going to see in the campaign.
3: No, no. Well, I've only been here six weeks, pal. OK, give me a break. <laughs> been here six weeks. Biden went on to talk about how popular his COVID rescue bill was with ordinary Republicans, if not with Republican members of Congress. And he revealed how important those voters are to him. I'm not saying we'll cha- I'll do it again, but I want those Republican voters in suburbia. The president won't be on the ballot in 2022, but his agenda will. And Democrats need to do better with those Republican voters in suburbia if they are to hang on to their tiny majorities in both houses of Congress. How Biden goes about passing his next big proposal may determine whether his party wins them or not.
0: NPR National Political Correspondent, Mara Liason. Now, as for the timing on all this, as you just heard, Democrats could break up Biden's plan into packages and try to pass a number of small infrastructure and public works bills through the summer and potentially into the fall. Then a large scale bill could come closer to September. Whatever the timing, it may be difficult to pass anything using reconciliation. That's the parliamentary procedure Democrats used for covid relief, which allowed them to move forward without Republican support.
2: Reconciliation is not a team sport, and it's not a healthy situation, and it's something we should not repeat.
0: A key Democratic vote, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, told Axios this month he's opposed to passing infrastructure using this reconciliation process.
2: If my Democrats have bought on, my fellow Democrats have bought on, that you have no Republican friends that will work in a reasonable manner, I don't subscribe to that, and I am not going to get on a bill that cuts them out completely before we try to make to
0: so That's on just basis. one political balancing act President Biden will have to negotiate. Another is with a key part of his political coalition, labor unions. Biden has already been pitching them on his infrastructure plans. NPR national political correspondent Don Gagne has more on that story.
2: Every once in a while as president... You get to invite close friends into the Oval.
1: <laughs> Biden met with 10 labor leaders weeks ago. The guests were from unions expecting to get jobs out of Biden's infrastructure plan. Iron workers, machinists, building trades, electrical workers, and others. This president really does get it. AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka was there. He
2: spoke to NPR. First of all, the, the tone of it was... The tone of a partnership, people trying to work together to improve our communities and make our
1: economy better and get people back to work. Also singing Biden's praises after the meeting was Terry O'Sullivan, who heads the Laborers International Union of North America, which represents construction workers.
2: He's comfortable talking about, you know, bread and butter issues, issues that affect working class, middle class. Uh, And he's not bashful. He'll tell you what he's thinking.
1: But O'Sullivan offers a bit of caution. He says there'll be areas of disagreement. I mentioned the loud complaints I heard from union members when Biden killed the Keystone pipeline on his first day in office.
2: Uh, you You probably didn't hear as many as I did, but we were disappointed that it happened on the first day
1: but he says it was expected as a candidate biden had pledged to stop the controversial pipeline an issue important to progressives but o'sullivan and trumpka both say biden should have paired the announcement with an infrastructure bill that would have more than offset the Keystone job losses. It's telling, though, that the moment did not create a significant rift between the administration and its labor allies. Still, union worries about the transition to a green economy will likely persist. Kate Bronfenbrenner is a labor professor at Cornell University. She says complicating this are the big changes in the labor movement. The new growth in union membership is not in the classic industrial and construction unions, those that met in the Oval Office with Biden that day.
3: Well, you also have to remember that the labor movement is much bigger than the unions that were in that room. The teachers and the healthcare workers and the retail workers... And if you polled them, they support climate change.
1: Those unions were a huge help to Biden in some of the most hotly contested states during the election, places like Nevada and Georgia. Now, if you work in a coal mine or in natural gas, all the talk of green jobs could be seen as a threat to your livelihood. Key for the White House is to make sure new jobs in renewable energy come fast and pay well. Joe Uline is president of a group called the Labor Network for Sustainability. His roots are union. He once worked construction at the Three Mile Island nuclear plant. He's also a committed environmentalist. Uline says this of Biden's task: He wants to be the best union, you know, pro-union president ever. But at the same time, he's also said he wants to be the climate president. He wants to be the president that finally does something real about addressing the climate crisis. That's going to be a very difficult uh, balancing act. Biden has said over and over that his climate plan is a jobs plan. Here's the AFL-CIO's Richard Trumpka again.
2: People want to make everybody believe it's an either-or, that you have to have climate change and no jobs. Uh, where you have to have good jobs and no climate change or or no infrastructure, that's just not true. There's a path to navigate where you can fix climate change and, and get good
1: jobs. And if Biden disappointed many of these union members with his Keystone Pipeline decision, he also came out with a video reinforcing his support for workers' right to organize and how, as Biden put it, union membership should be encouraged. He did this as Amazon workers are voting on whether to form a union at a warehouse in Alabama. It's a form of reassurance to union members broadly as the difficult work on the infrastructure package gets
0: underway. NPR National Political Correspondent Don Gagne. It's Consider This from NPR. I'm Audie Cornish.